0: What's up, people? Mid-December birthdays. As I mentioned in last week's episode, I love birthdays. I love celebrating birthdays. I love celebrating my birthday, and I've had a lot of them. So here goes. Here is this week's uh, birthdays, and I'm wishing you guys a very, very happy birthday. Jamie Finley, happy birthday. Josh Levkov, happy birthday. Darty Hines, who runs Sync, syncrocks.com, will be having the first in-person conference in a very, very long time. Cannot wait to see everybody there. If you don't know SYNC, you should go check it out. Erica Camille. Shannon, who is not a photographer, but I wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Christian Lalonde, who is a very, very talented photographer. Miss you, buddy. And I hope you're doing well and staying warm. Uh, Christian lives in, in Canada where it's very cold. Uh, and also, Alison Carlino. Happy birthday, guys. Um, wishing you the best. Here's to 2021. Let's move on to the show. Something new every week. Yo, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week here, we're going to interview friends of ours in the community about what is going on right now. We also want to thank our friends at Miller's Professional Imaging. They are the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. Plus, they're just awesome guys. If you don't know them, you should go check them out please do us a favor hit that subscribe button we'd love to keep coming to you every week thanks so much let's get on to the show all right here we are almost early december on something new every week we thank you guys for being here and i am here with the incomparable uh the legendary neil van Niekirk. did i say that right after all these years
1: close enough it's a, it's a good enough. americanized version
0: <laughs> the americanized version of it also new jersey native via johannesburg that's it yeah. uh neil is a if you don't know who neil is neil is a wedding and portrait photographer based in new jersey uh he's been in new jersey for m- probably most of his life now
1: 20 years um,
0: yeah. 20 years so uh, say hello neil
1: hi there everyone
0: uh, Neil, thanks for being on, on the show. And and you are um, one of those people in our community that I always enjoy talking to. Um, for somebody who still has a deep accent, even though he lives in New Jersey, um, I enjoy our, our banter and y- you definitely have that uh, sarcastic New, York, New Jersey attitude that I miss very much.
1: Yeah, combine that with a Typically straightforward, <laughs> blunt South African <laughs> demeanor. I'm not sure it always works in my favor, but the accent covers for that because it sounds adorable. <laughs> I think you're
0: always from South Africa, so he's just naturally um, sarcastic in that sense. So anyway, uh, Neil, Neil, you've been a photographer for about I would say, I, if I had to guess, at
1: least 25 years. Correct? It's a long story. I've been into photography since around about middle school. And in South Africa for 15 years, I worked as a television broadcast engineer out of my spare time doing photography. And that kind of picked up speed, whereas doing corporate events for another studio and whatever other little photography jobs I could pick up, no weddings. And then okay. we emigrated in 2000 on my wife's work permit. And I was a stay-at-home dad for three years. Okay. And so I got my work permit around about 2003. So I've been professional, a professional photographer in this country for about 17, maybe 18 years.
0: Huh.
1: And I, in that, yeah, I thought it was longer. Yeah, well, in that time that I was a stay-at-home dad, I started writing stuff, putting it out on a website, and that became a blog. And that kind of snowballed into something bigger. And I was one of the first bloggers, I think, that you know, consistently wrote. And with that came the books and the videos and everything else.
0: Yes. And we're definitely um, going to put some links in the, in the show notes for your blog. And you're right. Your blog was one of the first blogs that I started reading on a regular basis. And again, for those of you who don't know Neil, Neil, you know, really knows his shit when it comes to lighting and photography in general, but um, you're, you definitely leaned towards uh, teaching lighting and, you know, I've sat in many of your classes and, you know, if you need somebody to really break down how to light something and the reasons for why something works and why something doesn't work, Neil is that guy. And, and, and I've always enjoyed not only your complex way of describing simple lighting, but also your your it's complex yet simple at the same time. So you really take the time to break down why
1: something does something that it does. Uh, and, uh, yeah. somehow, somehow I stumbled into the ability to, I think, break down things in little bl- understandable blocks that you can't not understand it. So I somehow have that, which counts yes. in my favor. So, uh, and, and
0: I forget exactly. So you moved here, you, you moved here, uh, I work visa with your wife. Um, what brought you to New Jersey to begin with? Is that where your wife is from?
1: No, uh, my wife and my daughter are from South Africa. my My daughter was six years old at the time, and we both decided to offer a better future. We'd have to, you know, move out of South Africa because the crime rate was spiraling and the economy right. was spiraling down. And so we moved to America, thinking America is an English-speaking country. That's a little joke. <laughs> 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 I got uh, it. Yeah. It it all worked out very well for us. This country has treated us very well. My daughter's now working as a chemical engineer for the U.S. Navy. It's like...
0: Yes, yeah, and I followed like out a little bit of your daughter's could, travel. She's could, doing great, yeah.
1: We could not have imagined that 20 years ago. So it really yeah. worked out well for us. And you know, it vindicated our decision to move out. And then um, consistently plugging away the photography thing, it came together. But there's... a. Uh, in the career, I there's sort of an iconoclastic thing with me where I kind of push against having to do the proper thing, the expected thing.
0: So if I right. followed
1: all the instructions and all the proper advice, I would have had a generic wedding photographer career, marketing myself through wedding venues and other vendors, etc. cetera. And I don't feel like doing that. But with a, with a blog and the books and the videos, uh, you know, things was a little more diverse than that. And I kind of just followed what I wanted to do. Yeah. So anyway, so around about 2013, I started shooting and second shooting as a principal photographer and as a second shooter for about five or six studios in the area. And it's only after about four years of that that I went out on my own as, you know, for myself. And I always try to keep a diverse approach to my photography. I I always insist that I'm not a wedding photographer. I'm a photographer that also shoots weddings. Right. And then about eight years ago, I got a thousand square foot studio space in New Jersey with the idea of shifting more towards commercial and corporate work, other things than just weddings. And Now, I was in my 50s then, Still am, barely. And, it, you know, weddings get hard on the body. I feel if you, if your body doesn't ache after a wedding, you're not doing it properly because weddings sure. is physically taxing. Seriously, anybody that says differently is, I don't know, lazy or just really fit. Let's say <laughs> I don't want to insult people that don't hurt after a wedding. But yeah, no, weddings are physically really tough on the body. You swing cameras around for eight to 10 hours a day running around, you know, keeping it going you know you've, you've been there before
0: yes you and i have battled the same war war grounds uh, in new yeah. jersey and new york and everywhere in and out and um i think as a wedding photographer in the new york new jersey area too you also should get a it's almost of a badge of honor too um they're more difficult to shoot not only uh there's there's several things that i would say about shooting in the new york new jersey area number one if you uh, if your wedding is in Manhattan or the outer boroughs, you just add the logistics. The element. Oh, the man. logistics! Right of getting from New Jersey to the venue. Uh, add if it's in New Jersey, you add the element of the people who run the New Jersey venue. <laughs> we should not say the word mafia, but let's say the word mafia. It's I mean, the, uh, I used to love walking into some of those venues, and this is going back, you know probably to the early 2000s and even into the 90s. But, you know, there were these guys playing cards on the, on the loading dock in some of these places and nobody asked any questions.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, you get a very Sopranos vibe there. <laughs> the food was amazing. Food is great,
0: but yeah, I wouldn't miss <laughs> those people. There is nothing like that, that, that Italian food at that place when they did allow you to actually eat in the venue and not uh, go out to your car and eat, you know, Snickers bars. But anyway, there's there definitely, definitely a, a badge of honor of, of, and I used to have uh, friends come in and stay with me um, to shoot, you know, from different parts of the country, and they were always like, "This is insanity." Never mind the fact that most weddings on a Saturday don't end till three o'clock in the morning, and they were always aghast of that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, um, I want to talk to you about because I know you just, you just got a new studio lease, and. Um, I was, I I was very, um, I was admiring you in signing a new lease during a pandemic (laughs) and, you know, in New Jersey and, you know, we're close in age and, you know, I've talked in in several of my podcasts recently about how I'm starting to shoot again and building my business pretty much from the ground up from photography standpoint. And, you know, I've really been toying around i had my studio in new york for 15 years and and it was great but um can you put you you obviously feel the importance of having a
1: studio can you speak to that a little bit okay so when i got the studio uh obviously doing expanding from weddings i can now do headshots in a studio i can do product photography right I also somehow stumbled into doing time lapse photography. And by the way, I should throw this in there. I was on a team that won an Emmy two years ago. I supplied yes, I the time-lapse that. photography for an advert that created for Major League Baseball. So there's still a bit of an imposter syndrome there that holy crap, I won an Emmy, but I was not the director really, you know, the creative force behind this, mm-hmm. but I was the right guy for the job there doing the time-lapse. And you know what? I'll take that little statue. Uh so there's a lot of equipment that I have. I can't just store it at home. I, ha- okay. I need a place to store it. So it's not just studio lighting. It is the time-lapse photography stuff, et cetera. And anyway, so about a year in having my studio, I thought I should rent out the place. And I went all out and I bought thousands of dollars of lighting gear to just really stock up the place as having every lighting modifying in bunch of options bunch of lighting options with the idea specifically to rent out the studio and this eventually picked up speed that the past year or two I'm um, I was making right about I was making more than my monthly rentals and studio expenses okay and pre pandemic because there was a bit of a flat line for a few months as you know but you know pre pandemic I was good months I was pulling in double my studio rental and, okay. but the disadvantage of where I was now, the rent I had in that studio was really cheap, but I didn't have running water at a communal bathroom, communal kitchen. And it's a dingy th- three flights up to get to the floor in a dingy hallway. And the moment people walk in, they go, oh, wow. Cause you right, have right. a fantastic studio that's clearly professional and very well thought out. But getting there is a bit of an adventure. Yes. And, I can't sell it as a high-end experience for portraits and headshots. Okay. Now it's it's difficult. You kind of walk into an old factory warehouse upstairs, down a dingy hallway and you get to a great studio. It's difficult to sell it as a high-end experience. Right. And I was also running out of space. It's a thousand square feet, but at some point you just run out of space for where to put stuff. And you can finesse it and uh, you know really <laughs> how to say uh, to a fine degree you know stack your shelves even better and organize uh-huh. and rearrange but you run out of space so the past year i've been thinking about getting new studio space and then i found a space closer to my house ground floor yeah, access double size double the rent <laughs> in a pandemic so, in a pandemic so, <laughs> You can call it ballsy you can call it <laughs> f- foolish you can call it <laughs> uh, but my the, the basic math here for me was I'm making let's say roughly uh, 50% or double my current studio rent just off renting the place ground floor access better parking better access better address easier to find I can increase that so Sort of doing a calculated risk assessment, uh, I decided let me go for it because the possibility is, again, very strong there that I can at least cover my monthly rental just on renting out my studio. Just renting the studio out. Yeah. Right. And the way I was doing it is most people who rent my studio have their own access key because after (laughs) some point, they're comfortable with the studio and they know where everything is, the extension cables, the power plugs, everything else. And I have a remote lock. they can let themselves in and out, and they pay me, and I'm doing headshots in Manhattan, right. which, you know, it becomes a beautiful thing. I essentially then have a free studio while doing other work. Right. So I have a free studio to do my own work and store my own stuff, and then I do weddings and headshots in New York and whatever else it might be, and right. hopefully running a time-lapse camera somewhere for a month that's generating, generating its own income.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk about the time-lapse stuff because I think that, 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 that stuff is... I think you're, t- well, let's get to that and say i I'm going to shelf that for a second. So getting back to the studio and, 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 and just making the decision to have a studio. And, and part of the reason I'm, I'm asking these questions is because it's selfish on my part, because I'm like, s- slowly like, God, I really need a studio space again. Yeah, and and I'm making like- that decision as a newer photographer. So if you've never had one before, and I heard another photographer just talking about this recently, and he said, look studio once you all, once you have the studio space the place where you turn the key like we all should start in the basement of our house and you know start our businesses there until we feel like we just can't go any further but i you know i'm curious if you could offer any advice on you know exactly when to turn to to take that idea and say okay i'm going to do it and this other photographer had said look you have to do the math on it then you have to say to yourself look can I pay for this with the And you said it to you, you, you also kind of touched on it with the rentals, but just do the math and figure it out. And at a certain point, you just got kind of to take the leap. Is there, is there any other factors
1: in it that you feel like I,
0: I need this space?
1: It's difficult to say where that you know, that point hinges around because the, the one guy that rents my studio used to have my original studio space, <sighs> but he didn't use it enough. So for him, it's cheaper. To walk into my studio, there's equipment. He walks in with his clients. He concentrates mainly on fitness stuff. Okay. Walks in with his client. There's a fully equipped studio. He shoots and he pays me. So if he calculates, if he had to calculate how much he'd pay for a studio space versus the number of clients he pulls in, it's not efficient for him, cost efficient for him to have a studio. Yeah. It's much cheaper for him to rent my studio, do the shoot. And, you know, obviously they add that cost onto the the cost uh, of the studio that they charge the studio, you know, for, right. they charge the client, yeah. So for me, it kind of added up to the point where even now I, th- I really think I can still end up having, you know, in quotation marks, a free studio. It does take up my time to be there, but when I have a photographer that needs a bit of hand-holding to set up the initial lighting and I have to be there, help them out for 10 minutes, uh, if I'm there for two, three, four hours, I have my computer there and I do exactly what I would have done in the office. My right. uh, home office, I answer emails, I tinker on my website, I do my SEO, what else I might be doing, but I'm getting paid by somebody else who I have my studio. So right. really, the it, it hinged around, to will I still be able to have a, again, in quotation marks, a free studio, and it looks very viable. Hmm. Now, even with a pandemic where for four months with a stay-at-home order in New Jersey, four months, right. no income, I still made a tiny bit of profit on the current studio. So, uh, as I said, a bit of a ballsy move, move, but I could justify it in, let me go to a bigger, better studio. It, it will translate nearly certainly, certainly into generating better income for me. And then the side benefit that really is the uh, motivator for me is I can now push a high-end experience right because it's very easy to find you park right in front of the studio you walk 10 yards and you're in the studio ground ground level no stairs nothing so if you have a maternity shoot they don't have to climb stairs or go in a dingy uh-huh. freight elevator you have little kids you have people in the stroller it's just dead easy so i can really sell that experience so uh I mean, the the ground floor thing is is
0: really nice and and definitely if I were going into a new space, it would have to be ground floor. I mean, I do not want to go back to the days of coming back to that that space in Chelsea and walking up the stairs at three o'clock in the morning with all that gear And, and, and in our studio space at the time. Uh, the freight elevator stopped working at midnight. <laughs> so yeah, we were always racing. We were always racing to get back in time for maybe to get that one load up, but it never happened. So what usually wound up happening was they would take some of the gear up and then I would take the rest home and we would do it another day. But anyway, uh, the ground floor, and you're right. I mean, you know, by by being able to walk in and, you know, have that, that high-end experience and, you know, uh, you... But do you feel like, you know, making that commitment, you know, just is, is something that, you know, really, you know, kind of turns the corner for your business or it's just, it's just more of a reality decision for you? I need this space. I want to do this kind of work and that's just the way it is.
1: A bit of both. You know, I felt that I've reached the limit of what I can do and how I can promote myself as a photographer with my current space. I needed right. something, a big, a bit better, a better experience, and that's what it is now. And okay. again, bigger, better place. So, I signed a five-year lease, which is a little insane, but you know, it's like I said, it's you're uh, empowering me today, though, oh, because you know,
0: again, you know, it, 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 you know, you, you've committed to, you know, doing this with your career and. Uh, that empowers me a little bit because you know I, I ask myself the same questions. You know, five years is a long time. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, that's usually the that's usually the lifespan the lifespan of the average photographer in our industry. Unfortunately, it's actually more. Three years is the average lifespan for for the photographer in in our in our industry. But um, that, 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 you know, you gotta be, you gotta be brave. So, and, and and again, so thanks for,
1: for, for that. You've, you've, uh, emboldened me a little bit. I also have to warn you that much of my career has been not planned, but serendipity stuff that accidentally happens and like, okay, this is good. So there's been some dead ends, but a lot of things that happened to me is simply Here's an opportunity, and I kind of equate it with something, you know, saying by Louis Pasteur is chance favors the prepared mind. Uh, so for example, the books that I wrote and the uh, two, I think three of the books were actually really were bestsellers that did really well. And they've been translated into Chinese and Polish and German and Portuguese for the Brazilian market. That happened because I wrote a blog Now, when I started putting stuff out on the internet, just writing it, I mean, it's an inordinate amount of time just writing that stuff, which makes absolutely no financial sense because I'm just throwing time away for no no discernible income. But that unexpectedly turned into something bigger a few years later. It became the books and the books became the workshops and that became the videos. And that generated income. So it's not something I could have planned. And I think if somebody had to plan, I'm going to write a blog and make money off it. Even Especially now, it's it's going to be ridiculous. So I, I, I kind of fell into it. Not kind of fell into it. I really I fell in, into it by accident. But it worked out for me. Yeah. The same thing with a time lapse. Uh, I would get a royalty check every six months. And what I would do is pay off credit card bulls and uh, use the money wisely but a portion of it i would take as i would splash the money on myself and that usually meant buying more gear because
0: (laughs) uh, one of these days i just (laughs) want to spend an afternoon going through uh neil's gear
1: chest but let's talk about the 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 time lapse thing i think is really interesting so 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 now i've got to tell you how i got into the time lapse so took the one royalty check i well there was a on Vimeo, there's a time-lapse photographer that I followed, Mind Relic, and he had these phenomenal time-lapses of New York, uh, night into day, day into night, fantastic with movement. It just looked amazing. So I checked. He has his gear list. So I checked his gear list, and I bought everything he had. <laughs> Thank so, you, affiliate <laughs> links. So I had a <laughs> amazing time-lapse gear that stood <laughs> in my house for more than six months, and eventually I like, okay, I've got to use this. So I went to New York twice and I shot some time lapses, moving stuff. And I put it on my website. Uh And a few months later, a German news station contacted me and said, they want to use my videos for the news items, for the international news items. I'm like, okay. I sold it to them and I made my money back on the equipment that I spent. I'm like, this is interesting. Let me try this. So with that, I gradually built up uh, a portfolio uh uh-huh. and i get I get inquiries, and occasionally I get a job for time lapse so, so you again, sorry yeah. yeah so that again is it 's accidental it 's not something i planned it's I kind of accidentally fell into it, and a lot of what i 've done and the success, successes successes i 've had have simply been accidental, but back to that thing with that Louis Pasteur said, chance favors the prepared mind, I was ready and I had it. Yeah, sorry. You were saying? No, no. And and
0: you know, on that that same quote, you know, like most of our success is just by I forget who said it. Ninety nine percent of success is just being there, showing up, or something like that. And I think as artists, and I want to make that point, as artists, I don't think we spend enough time. And maybe it may be an age thing for us. But, as artists i I always recommend like do what turns you on, like you know do the things that that excite you, so like and and being an artist is about exploring new ideas right oh, absolutely so, yeah. and i think and I think there's so much of that that you know in in my travels now with educators and in our community, it's about all right, well, let's get the next funnel going. And let's get the next uh, way to make some money. And let me pull a nickel here and pull a nickel. And all that's great, but there's not. I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about that exploratory process of stumbling into something. And and I think some of that, you know, for me also, and I think you might agree, is that it's kind of a New York story a little bit. Is is that you're you're finding you're kind of stumbling, trying to find a place to stumble into something. And I think that. That happens in a in a bigger market. It doesn't have to it be can't receptive
1: happen. to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. It's a little more receptive to it, um, but I, I you'll find smaller wins in smaller markets, which is fine because those financial wins don't need to be as big in smaller markets. But I think that process of hey, this time lapse stuff is really cool. I want to do it too, and I can do it. Then you go out, and then all of a sudden now you're making a living doing it. And but you know, I'm sure there's three other things that you've done
1: that didn't necessarily dead ends. Yeah. That ends, as you said. Right. But now so... kind of relating to this is when people ask me, so what do I do? Weddings. And I would, I need to tell them that everything I do is about 10% of my business.
0: Uh-huh.
1: There's a little bit of royalties and the affiliate income. There's weddings and there's portraits and there's, you know, everything's like 10%. And I think it's become ever more important. And I think it's, clear now especially in the pandemic you have to have alternate streams of income because yeah. the market changes under you faster than you can possibly comprehend and that the technology changes under you faster than you can comprehend that we we're running at full speed just to remain at a standstill that's how fast the technology changes and for you to try and keep up you just have to work at it every single day yeah i don't and know where it, i'm headed with that, that part, but yeah that but, part yeah, so,
0: is, is exhausting. So, are you so, are you uh, are you uh, doing any kind of uh, education on? And this is selfish on
1: my part, on time lapses right now, or because I, yeah, you no. Know, uh, <laughs> the answer is no, because okay. where I am with my technique and what I know with time lapses, I'm at the bottom end of the curve. Okay. There's people that really know this stuff to a phenomenal degree that my you know my jaw just drops. Yeah. And there's a, a, a forum called Time Lapse Network, and okay. if you look at the work there, the people are insane with the level of work they do. I'm nowhere near that. Yeah. So for me to teach people how to do time lapse would would be a little presumptuous because there's people a lot better than I am doing. Uh, have that uh, they have courses and videos to explain it so yeah for me to try and get into that would be a little ridiculous right now it well i realistic. disagree
0: i i think that you could but uh, i'll i'll wait another year before um we can we can get to that point uh so all right so that's great um let's just touch i'm, I'm glad that we really haven't touched on the pandemic too much but let's just uh, to wrap things up Let's talk about coming out of pandemic. Uh, you've signed a studio lease. Uh, in your opinion, where do you think, do, do you think you've been at it? Sorry, I apologize. It's taken me a long time to get to this question. In your opinion, our community changes and our industry changes about every 10 years. There's a big shift in, in where things are going. And, you know, from the 2000s, it was d- digital to, to film from film to digital transition and then there was another shift with the way that we shot weddings where do you there are there any shifts or changes in our in our industry slash community that you would you have recognize that you think we're going to come out of this pandemic with
1: well the one thing i can already see is uh, since more people are working from home yeah and there's been a a fairly big move from, of people that used to live and work in Manhattan, moving out to the suburbs because they don't have to actually be in an office in New York. Yes. Uh, a fair amount of my income for the past number of years were corporate events. Uh-huh. And I think that is going to shrink considerably mm. because people are working from home Interesting, and you know, with the telecommuting thing, I, I just, that, that I do believe is going to change so weddings and events itself that we photograph by mitzvah's weddings all that uh-huh. that will bounce back gradually in the next year or two uh-huh. but uh the corporate stuff the commercial stuff is going to change
0: yeah i was thinking about all those events that i used to shoot and uh you know how they're just not going to be doing those anymore people are working from home uh I just I can't imagine those people who, who have been making a living doing that because that's not coming back anytime soon. And but the weddings in the New Jersey area, like I'm seeing the shift towards like micro weddings and smaller oh, yeah. events. Yeah. That's going to like, become
1: the norm. It's going to. Do you think
0: that's going to be you know more of the norm? And do you think that will continue? I mean, you and I have shot in these wedding venues that held six, seven hundred people, and I just wonder, like, are those ever coming back? Or is it coming back?
1: I think it partially will, you know, because a lot of it is showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think that smaller weddings are going to become the norm. Okay. And and the one thing that I think will definitely, that came out of the pandemic is live streaming.
0: Okay.
1: Now, earlier this year, you couldn't buy live streaming equipment on Amazon. It was just not in stock as everybody is auntie. Is live streaming so i think uh, one area that photographers can move in is offering professional live streaming uh, services yeah and with live streaming you don't have to fly in from california or wherever to attend a wedding in new jersey or new york you can attend the uh, the live stream event right and that's that's going to become more more of a standard where there's I think it's slightly less of an obligation to having to actually physically be there, because they people live stream the events. Yeah. And have you done? Stuff. Yeah.
0: Have you done any of that? I interviewed Charles King just recently, and he talked about that stuff, and he like basically has pivoted his entire
1: business into that. But yeah, I haven't because the amount of cash out i have to put in to build up the proper equipment is a bit, but daunting right now. And then. You have to make enough money to pay for the equipment and pay for a living, etc. So the math there <laughs> is not in my favor. It's tough, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's—I can definitely see if you're already shooting video, if you're a videographer, uh-huh. this is going to be an, a natural shift for you. Okay.
0: uh Okay, so we're going to wrap up. On one last question, and you're going to hate me for it. uh Your what? What is uh, your my my Christmas holiday list. What what is what is what what have I got my eye on this year? Christmas holiday. What's list? on your wish list this year? One piece um, of equipment.
1: Not for me, but for you as a Canon shooter, the <laughs> Canon R five looks okay. like a dream camera. The one thing that changed, you know, uh, people say it's the photographer; it's not the equipment, blah blah blah, and they dismiss the the importance of equipment. The one thing that really made a difference for me in the past few years is the silent shutter on a camera. Shooting Uh, corporate events and other events, we absolutely have to have no sound. The silent shutter on mirrorless cameras is a godsend. Coupled with that, the eye focus. Now at f1.4, you can have critical sharp focus 95% of the time. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely, to use that word that's overused, game changer. So if you're still shooting, I think you might still be shooting with your 1D Xs or 5D Mark IVs, Mark 2s. Mark II's. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, you so actually a friend of
0: mine felt so bad for me that she sent me her Mark 3 because she felt so bad that I was still shooting the Mark II. I was like, my Mark II is fine. I'm going to pay for everything. I'm going to save my money. I'm t- I- so here's what I'm doing. I'm taking 20% of all of the shoots that I'm doing, and that will buy what I was thinking was going to be the Mark IV, but now you're saying this R5 is the only the one. The eye can.
1: focus is yeah. going to change everything for you. It, it's unreal. The way it sticks, your subject can have random movement. It'll just stick the focus. It's fun. It's unreal. All right. I will That's say, quickly, advice. the 5D Mark II, still a brilliant camera. If you yeah. do portrait shoots, low ISO, and if you're changing 3200 ISO and up, eh, that's not wonderful, but if you're shooting portraits and fairly static subjects, the 5D Mark II, still a very valid camera. Everything
0: that I'm shooting is high school seniors during the day in good light, like you know. And again, if I were shooting events as a responsible photographer, you know, I would yeah. I would go out and buy something better. But for for what I've been doing, and you know, I still know how to shoot, so I could get good quality images from the two and the three. And you know, hopefully, you know, and I've been looking at the Mark IVs because everyone's selling them now. But that R5 just looks so good. Now you're like, you're doing. I think Santa Claus is bringing
1: an R5. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, Santa will bring me, or or maybe the Hanukkah Hanukkah uh, man will will bring that to me as well. Anyway, we should wrap up here, Neil. It is so always good catching up. Talking to you and uh thank you for empowering me a little bit and adding a little uh pep to my step. Um and you, you can uh,
1: always rely on me for bad
0: advice. <laughs> or 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 spending my money. Uh hopefully I will be back in the new 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 Jersey area sometime soon. I'd love to see your studio space. Uh I haven't seen my mom in over a year over o- almost a year and a half now. So at some point I li- would I need to get back. But anyway, it back. is it is great. It is great to talk to you and thank you for being on this episode of Something New Every Week. Thanks for having me over.